This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. And we're back, folks, to another episode on the MVM Show. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. And I'm pretty pumped and excited. And I actually almost, I kind of feel guilty, to be honest with everybody. Um, ben Page is here with me today. What's up, Ben? What's up, man? And this is why I feel guilty. Because you had me on your podcast. Man, how long has that been now? Probably a year or more? Six years. I think it was six years ago. Six years ago. <laughs> yeah. So, like, you know what? You know what, though? I'll give myself a little padding. You kind of fell off the face of the earth there for a little bit. With your... I don't know if that's true. You didn't? I feel yeah. like you kind of okay. did. Like you weren't doing no more podcasts, so I kind of just assumed you were busy or something. I, I know you had a lot going on. Yeah, I was pretty busy. Yeah. You are and just like you just text me. I for everybody listening to this, I can send a text out of screenshot how busy you are. So but no, I, I hadn't even reach out to you. So I'm I'm glad you came on. Sorry it's been so long, man. What, can you just let us know where people can find you? Um, you've been a really big help to uh, the MVM show and given and, and Mid Valley Mercenaries just letting people know where to find us. So tell us where we can find you. Oh, yeah. Uh, we run this terrible, <laughs> the god-awful podcast called the Foul Front Waterfowl Podcast. It's really gone to crap in the last, like, three months. Is it that Matt guy, Matt and Thomas guy? Yeah, let a bunch of degenerate YouTube riff, riff people um, like be my co-host, <laughs> and it's really gone to hell. <laughs> oh man! So the Foul Front podcast, how's that going? You guys getting good downloads and starting to amp back up again, or what? Yeah, man, it's going really good. I, I, I guess I should be like, I, I would say I'm pretty thankful for the listenership because 
you know, I think we did. We went like three months with no podcast. Maybe, mm-hmm. four, maybe it was even four months. Um, you know, I was moving. I was, uh, I was going through like a little transition. Mm-hmm. And um, I just didn't have the time or really motivation to do it. Yeah. But then, you know, Matt and Thomas and then uh, Alex Wallace, um, they, they were like, hey, man, like, we're willing to help out. I was like, well, perfect. That was that was the, like that was the whole thing when you like the foul front for a long time was just like me going out and finding people to talk to. Mm-hmm. Right, that's a lot but of work, a lot I, more work than people think. Yeah, yeah, sure. And, but unfortunately, what I've seen now is that I have other people that are like willing to plan and help and talk is that I've become kind of a like malevolent factor in the show. So like they'll come up with a plan, and uh, I I will just. I kind of derail the conversation quite a bit when it's not my plan. Uh, so, I mean, it's more fun for me. I like, you know, picking on those guys cause we're, we're all good friends, but, uh, I've, they've definitely talked about kicking me off the show. Like, <laughs> like five kicking off your own show. Yeah. Which is fair. I, you know, you know what? Maybe fair. we're just control freaks, Ben, because, uh, you know, supposedly I do all the talking too, but I'm like, Hey, you know, in a podcast, I like the, intensity and the interrupting and the yelling and the fighting that's what really makes an interesting podcast so yeah i told them you guys just need to butt in and get more aggressive in this talking and just override me i don't care yeah exactly maybe it's all that military stuff we had to just fight to survive so maybe that's why we're like that i don't know i think it's the morbid humor like yeah the deprecating humor yeah it's one of the things i i kind of miss most about like the, the comparison between Military friends and civilian friends, right? Your military friends, you can just you can say anything to them. Yeah, it's uh, like if they do something, you you just let them like know like how you exactly feel about mm-hmm. it, and you maybe scale that up a little bit, and they kind of look at you and they're like, Haha. "Yeah, <laughs> that's so true." I know. Yeah, yeah that that's got me in trouble a few times afterwards. Yeah. But well, let, let's get into so guys check out uh, their podcast. Uh, they've got they're they're gonna stay busy and keep the uh, oh dude, stuff. I'm starting a YouTube channel this fall. You are, yeah. I don't think any of my co-hosts know that. I'm gonna do it essentially as it's. Um, I'm not doing it to make fun of them or like belittle them at all. But I like that will be a point that will be like a, a constant. Uh, you know, like your guys' Flyway Collective? Yeah. I'm going to like position my show as your guys' arch nemesis show. Oh, no. I can only imagine. It'll be fun. That sounds fun. I thought you'd been talking about starting one for a while anyways. Um, I, Didn't you kind of talk I about did. doing one last year, doing some video and stuff? Yeah, I did. I, I did. I did talk about that. Big talk. It's a lot harder. I don't Do think you- people really... Do you have a channel name yet? Well, or is no, that a secret? It, it'll be a secret. It'll, it'll be good. Okay. Um, well, I'm looking for you need to let me know when this happens. Yeah, for sure. Um, the I, people like don't. That's the thing with free content like YouTube and um, podcasts. Mm-hmm. People don't really realize it's. It actually does take a little bit of time. It's not the hardest thing in the world, but it's still, it takes a lot of time. Yeah, you mean just social media in general, or are you talking about like YouTube? 
oh no, like YouTube or like producing content. Oh yeah. It always kind of irritates me when I see like a comment on like one of your guys' YouTubes, like this is terrible or, you know, like, you know, like the, the yeah. straight up YouTube comments. Yeah. Yeah. It was irritating. It's weird. Yeah. It's I like, know. You know, that dude just spent like, he went out and he hunted and also he added that extra factor of put like bringing a camera to him. He did that all for his own accord and his own entertainment and stuff. But then he sat down and then he edited it and put it into the public eye. And it's, then it's just know, getting bashed. Me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It hurts know. me a little bit. Yeah. It's just, it's funny how people are, but you know, cause everyone wants those, uh, $10,000 uh, red cameras that are doing the slow-mo and perfect, you know, uh, yeah, I can't even spell red when it comes to like cameras. So. You know what I mean? And and the funny thing is 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 uh like we want that too, you know? I want that quality too. I'd love to have that quality. I'd love to have hire somebody to work full time for me and do all my filming so I can actually enjoy the hunt to its fullest cuz it does take a part away of your hunt, for sure. But the mem- but the memory later is always worth it, so. Yeah on the backside mm-hmm. well let's get into the topic on this episode uh transitioning from is it just you and me yes it is oh okay well we're the only two military guys so i don't really have yeah. any i have a friend of mine that just got out too and he uh he um he actually just started working for a utility company here and he was a marine uh man i don't know if he was like six or eight years something like that too and he was down south, Southern California. Actually, he was back east too. But anyways, yeah, um, I do. I do these a lot, Ben, because you know I don't really have nothing else in life to do. So my co-hosts, they're super busy, you know. Yeah, of course. I just have all the time in the world to do podcasts yeah, and yeah. a bunch of free time. <laughs> yes, I understand. I'm totally jabbing the the knife right now because of that. Because supposedly I'm, you know. I just got all the time in the world, and all these other people are super busy, like Ben Page, you know that guy. Yeah. Well, anyways, busy. so the transition part. Um, now, I was uh, Army National Guard, so that wasn't wasn't full time, obviously, until deployment and just the training and stuff like that. So, but you've been active duty for how many years in the Army? Uh, it would have been like seven and some change, and then uh, not that I do count it. But some people do. There's like ROTC in there as well, um, which I don't count that at all because it's like <laughs> your audio. Oh, there it goes. Your audio went way down the. Oh, I'm sorry. There it Can goes. Yep, came back up. Yeah, so seven, seven and some change. The plus plus. Okay. Uh, the play army in college. Do you know how I feel about officers? Have I told you that before? Ooh. Um, no. Can I take? No, I'm not going to guess. Go ahead. <laughs> what? Go ahead. Say what no. you're. No, because I mean, I, I would I would very much, uh, I, I bet that you feel similarly. To the same as you do? Yeah. I probably do because you know why? Probably because you have common sense. That's probably why. Well, what I found, what I feel like I, what I found in the military is there's there's no mediocrity. There's only studs and there's only duds. That's the truth. That is, you know, you're going to say that you were going to say like you, you either have awesome officers that you absolutely love or you've got, or you've got dudes that you absolutely hate. Like, hate. 
like pure yeah. hatred. And and those guys, I'll tell you what, and I don't even know how old have you been? Thirty. Oh, you're oh you're young, man. You're making me feel. Yeah, I think. Wow. So have you? you? I'm thirty six. Yeah. I thought you were old enough for some reason. Maybe it's just your maturity yeah. level. Well, anyways, did you Got get it. so if you were in for almost eight years, you're thirty now. You obviously did some other things first before you joined the military. Did you? What kind of jobs did you work? I mean, like, w- did you have a good upbringing? I mean, I'm sure you did. If you're from Nebraska, I'm sure you had a really good upbringing. You know. Yeah, I would like to. My parents are like some of the best people I know. Mm-hmm. My jobs before going to college. And I'm asking. I, I'm asking that for a reason. Go ahead. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, my first job was detasseling. I don't. Know, I don't know. If, like, do you know what detasseling is? I don't even know what that is. So it's uh, like child labor um, <laughs> that they they force you. They they make the all in in Nebraska. Every kid has to go into the cornfield and pick the tops off of it for oh. Syngenta or for Pioneer. Okay. You know? Oh, really? I didn't um, know they did that. Yeah, you pick the tops off. You know, if you want. Yeah, I know uh, Syngenta. So got, That's funny. Yeah, you got you got X corn. You got Y corn. So you plant yep. one row of X corn, four rows of Y corn. And the, you know, you, the end result is that you want X, Y corn. Well, you don't want any Y, Y corn or, um, so you have to go pick all the tops off the Y, huh. uh, so they don't pollinate, um, called detasseling. Wow. And, that sounds like uh, a lot of work. Oh, it's <sighs> like for the little kids, it absolutely sucks. I think you can, uh, I think I started when I was 11, I think you could start when you were 11 when I was growing up, now it's twelve. I know for sure. Um, it was maybe it was eleven if you had the right birthday or something. Um, but yeah, it's <laughs> the little kids walking through the mud all day with the like older kids walking behind them, making sure they're doing their job. And then, uh, I mean, honestly, the tasseling is a lot like the army. You know, you get in and you start off, and you're you know you're a grunt, and you're just pulling one row. And then after a couple of years, you you become like a, a you know a team leader, hmm. and so then you've got four kids that you're in charge of and uh, walking behind and making sure they're doing a good job. And then after that, you become a squad leader where you're walking behind four groups, um, going behind the team leaders and making sure they're doing a good job. And then eventually, you end up just being a degenerate that sits on the bus and takes uh, roll call and uh, makes sh- make you have to like fire the kids when they like poop in each other's lunch boxes and things like that so. dude that sounds like an incredible smart system to make kids understand what real work is and how the chain system works you know oh absolutely why can't we have that um, everywhere i've never heard of I that i think it would be a good thing too no for real it would one it gets it gets the kids out of the parents hair mm-hmm. right they're not just sitting at home playing and video it games takes and- all their energy away Oh yeah, because I mean, you work from you have to wake up. Uh, I mean, you, the bus is leaving the parking lot of the of the school or whatever, wherever your meeting point is. The bus to go to the field is leaving before dark. Hmm. So I mean, you're waking up at like five a.m. Right. You know, in, in the summers, uh, and then you work till like I think we let the like twelve. We only let the twelve year olds work till like noon. Um, like. You know, that's but that's a good six hours. Work. Oh, dude, they're beat uh, after maybe, that, guaranteed. 
Oh yeah. But then like the older kids, like, so like the, you know, 14, 15 year olds, they're working till two. Um, and then like, eventually you get up into the ranks where you're like, after, after you're done managing all the, the little kids, you're driving around to other cornfields and checking things or doing things for your boss. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, wow. there was, there were some days, uh, you know, I would get home like 4 PM, but most days we were home by like two or 3 PM and then we'd go float the river, and drink all afternoon and then wake up at 5 AM. So <laughs> you learned morning. how to be responsible and how to have a work ethic is what I'm, that's what I was driving at is what you did before, because just even that detasseling and whatever else you did, it taught you structure it taught you how to get up early it taught you how to be responsible it taught you what hard work is and i don't, I don't know if they did they pay you guys yeah i mean okay hardly pennies yeah, right course. well and that's what um, i'm saying yeah, yeah you get these officers that go on you know how they act as leaders you know their experiences as a young person because or their experience prior to the military because the reason I hated most officers, and I when I say officers, I mean commission, because most of the warrant officers were pretty cool, but some of those guys were too <laughs> yeah. big for their own shorts or whatever. But, um, you know, they you could tell the way they acted that they literally went out of high school right into the military and had no idea. Their parents never taught them how to sweep. They never taught them how to use a vacuum cleaner. They don't. They didn't. I mean, there was nothing taught there and sometimes it's not the kid's fault necessarily you know maybe the, the the home was not that good or whatever but then they 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 just don't know they don't have common sense they don't have street smarts they don't know how to like um work with others you know what i'm saying i know yeah. you've seen it you know well the, the other thing too with with that right so you you get out of college uh, whether you went to like the United States Military Academy or ROTC or OCS, um, generally, I think by and large, OCS um, officers have a better um, starting point with um, with soldiers because mm-hmm. they, you know, because they went they, they went to basic and then they went to mm-hmm. OCS, uh-huh. which those are yeah. both you know different than ROTC or like a military academy, right? Right. Um, but. I think the thing is, right, why – imagine being 23 and uh, you just spent like four years and then six months um, at your officer basic course. Um, like leadership, leadership, you're going to go be, you know, Dick Winters mm-hmm. from, you know, Band of Brothers. And, mm-hmm. and uh, so they get out there and they're just full of fire, Right. And then they get paired up with a, a sergeant first class, right? Who's you know salty guy and has been around. He's right. there. He's their platoon sergeant. And um, if they don't have that initial NCO that is there to mentor them and mold them, and be like, "Hey, sir, like, listen, you—that's not how you behave," or "That's not how you do that." Um, I. They really screwed. They're screwed, mm-hmm. right? Because right. they 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 don't they don't get they don't get humbled. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. But why is it those guys that move up the chain? You know, it's, I feel like those are the guys that always end up getting the promotion and always get to be in charge. I'm like, why? 
I, you know what? And I know every place is different. Every unit's different because I've talked to lots of people and they're like, I loved my unit. I loved my commander, all my commanders that I had over those years. And, you know, it's like, I just felt like, you know, just got the bat into the stick. But I know, you know, that's just part of the deal. That just happened to be who it was. I, I think I should maybe preface this conversation too. Um, uh, if you were, it wouldn't be good to ask, um, because you wouldn't get the, the full story. Right. So I'm going to, I would tell you, I am, uh, I, I was relevated a lot to like medicine, uh, initially like very bad taste in people's mouths. You were? Yes. Why is that? Um, cause I was, I was hard. Um, but anybody that worked with me longer than two months mm-hmm. um, would tell you, like, I, I mean, I had a reputation uh, as a captain, like amongst the lieutenants, like I was generally like, oh, shit, you don't want to go work with Captain Page. Um, and anybody that worked with me longer than two months would tell you a different story. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. Um, that's I, that's just kind of how it was. I, I was kind of, I don't know, maybe like a learned thing, but um, I, I like, I, I keep in good contact with some of my first FOs, uh, you know, younger guys mm-hmm. um, to some of the lieutenants that I mentored uh, just as recently as like six months ago. And um, yeah, I don't know. So what's the transition been like for you? I mean, you were seven years in there, almost eight. Was it like, I don't know how to explain it. Like, are you feel like you have something missing or are you really enjoying it or what, what's it feel like for you? Both. Mm-hmm. So it's super, it's, it's awesome to be able to sleep until 8am man. Mm-hmm. If I want to. Right. Right. I, there's not a lot of mornings where I do, but just having the option to be able to do that is pretty great. Mm-hmm. And then having the freedom to where, even though like I'm in a salary job now, and there's times I work till like 11 p.m. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, just it's really it's a lot easier to leave work um, and, and where I'm at. You know, I can just leave work and I can go be a dad and a husband or or just Ben, you know. Right. Whereas in the military, like, you've always, like 24-7, man. Like you've got people, you've got daughters and sons and brothers and sisters and husbands and wives that like you're charged with the leadership of those people. And that, that could include everything from picking them up from jail. If they get a DUI or, or, you know, go into a soccer game, uh, to just show that, you know, you're that guy, Hmm. uh, for their kid, you know, um, just things, things of that nature. just kind of like the whole 360 leadership thing. And it's kind of nice not being, um, held to like knowing that there's like people that are relying on me 24 seven to be everything that I can be for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's nice not having that burden, but I do miss that. I miss being like super important to people. Yeah. Feel, and yeah, you're needed and you're, you, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. It, it's nice. I still get, uh, I still get questions, mentorship questions and things like that from, uh, people, uh, that I've worked with in the past, uh, which that kind of gives me a little bit of, you know, oh, yay, I'm still important. 
to this person that's still in the military. But so what are what are you doing now? Can you say or like what's, yeah? Okay. Um. So I, um. Well, in the simplest terms, I help states, state agencies like Fish and Wildlife agencies sell more hunting and fishing licenses. Really? Yeah. So the company that I work for, um, we provide the technical infrastructure and like software for them to uh, sell hunting and fishing licenses. So if you go to Walmart in one of our states that uh, is one of our clients, or if you buy your your license online, fishing, hunting, even camping in some instances, um, all that software and the things that allowed you to be able to do that is my company uh, Hmm. that I work for. That's cool. And And so my – my job is to figure out how we do like automated marketing, marketing campaigns, different things to do that so that we can sell more hunting and fishing licenses through like our three efforts, you know, uh, both, both like with software things like mm-hmm. auto renew, um, you know, email campaigns, reminding people at the right time, like, Hey, you bought a fishing license, um, last year around this time. It's going to be a great weekend this weekend. Do you want to buy your fishing license again and go out again? How often does that that work? Say again? How often does that work, like that strategy? Oh, I mean, that's just like one of a million things, right? I mean, it is like marketing. It's, uh, you know, what's interesting, um, there's a huge rise, right, in fishing license sales this summer because of COVID. Yeah, well, yeah, I've heard that. And I, I'm, I'm starting to think that's how duck season's going to be too. I hope so. Um, you and, do, and we all, I think we, we should all. Well, okay, so selfishly, right? Yeah, there's. Like, uh, I well, want to see more people. Well, but let me, let me, time, but let me clear that up though. And I'm not saying because of new hunters. I, I, it's great. In fact, my daughter's uh, get, finishing up her hunter safety. She's 11 right now, so she's going to go. Geez. On some hunts this year, I don't mean it like that. I'm just, it, like you said, it is kind of being selfish. Like, okay, now we there's more people putting in. You can't get in. I'm just kind of messing around, but yeah. Yeah, I we all we all do that. Like, we personally don't want to have to deal with more competition in the in the mornings, right? Yeah. But I think we need to rewire our uh, our thinking on that because, oh, yeah. um, I mean, dude, we are in decline. Yeah. Um, hunting hunting licenses are down. Well, you see those numbers, right, all the time. Yeah, I mean, we, we can all see those numbers. Like, mm. they get published all the time. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. You know, hunting well, numbers hunting numbers are down, and um, it might not reflect on public uh, public land right now because that one, like, you're not seeing that. You might see more people in the marsh uh, every year, uh, but that's another issue in and itself, right? Why yeah. are there less hunting licenses, but everything's more crowded? Right. What is that? Is that because of leasing? Is it because of um, we have less public lands, we have less access, or we have a, a generation of hunters that are only picking the low-hanging fruit? Um, yeah. Or, or just buying you – know? maybe there was more – because of money, maybe there was more money and more people were buying it and not necessarily using it. But the same people that are buying them every year are the same ones out in the marsh every year so. That can make those numbers look kind of weird too, I would think. Yeah. But anyways, so that's what I do. Okay. Um, I work with, uh, you know, different states and 
um, we just try to help them sell as many hunting and fishing licenses as we can because, I mean, it's really like at the root of it, even though there's, of course, there's like, of course, it's like, that's a business, right? To mm-hmm. do that, to make it money. But it's such a, it's like, I'm just glad that I have like such a noble cause to work on every day. You know, when yeah. I wake up in the morning, I'm mm-hmm. like, I say to myself in the mirror, I said, let's go sell some effing fishing licenses today. Let's go sell some effing hunting licenses today. That's, That's kind of, cool. you know? Yeah. So it's really nice to be able to um, wake up and, and have like a good cause. Yeah, like an actual good purpose. Yeah. For. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is re- that is really cool. Um, so back to kind of, you know, now that you're transitioned to that and that's your civilian job, you know, how's that? There's, there's actually surprisingly a lot of uh, military and veteran people that listen to the podcast. I know. And cause uh, we, some of our best downloads are on the military stuff. What would you say to some of these guys that are, have ETS or getting ready to ETS and get out or, or, you know, maybe they got a year or two left on their contract. What could you tell them to kind of help them? Shaping operations. Shaping? Right. Shaping operations, right? So when we plan, you know, like when you, when you're planning a, well, I don't know, let's just call it like, <laughs> we're going to go like attack uh, an objective California, right? Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> there's the main effort. And then there's like shaping operation one, shaping operation two. Well, if your main effort is like, oh, hey, I'm going to transition out of the military. Um, okay, that's that's not that's not a good main uh, that's not a good main effort. You need to start doing things like start thinking about okay, what is it? What am I going to do when I get out of the army? Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Um, and start shaping that. For me, it was the Foul Front podcast. Like I wanted to work in the outdoors industry in some sort of marketing capacity. Uh, I didn't know where it was going to take me, but I knew that if I, you know, kind of established myself as in practice, some things um, and gained a little bit of credibility in that market Mm -hmm. that that would allow me to put my foot in a door somewhere. Yeah. Uh, I was extremely fortunate and I don't want to discount that at all. I was extremely fortunate that uh, my current boss, was somebody that I'd just been connecting with over the last couple of years. Uh, but it was because of my podcast. Hmm. That's crazy. So yeah, things like that. And you, you have to, obviously when you're in the military, like, and you know this, when you wake up in the morning, like if you don't go to your job, trying to be like the best dude or the best leader or the best, um, pilot for you. Right. Um, or whatever it is that you're doing, crew chief, if you're not doing that, obviously, like, I don't know how you can go to bed at night um, knowing that, like, you got one over on the day. Yeah. By hanging out in the barracks or whatever it is that you're doing. Um, but also, like, don't underestimate that free time. That free time needs to be spent um, shaping your, your future operations, like what you're going to be doing. Do a yeah. side gig. Get yeah. Talk to your commander. Get something um, hey, built sir, up in advance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like if you're going to like, like let's say you're like a communications, uh, you know, specialist or something, but like, you know, for sure shit fire fact that you want to go be a, a BNSF or like a rail railroad worker, um, uh, welder or something like that. Start doing those classes because there are programs 
the, the military is awesome. There's, you know, they've got tap, um, and you know, soldier for life. People look at those as like really dumb things that they have to do to get out, but there's some sweet deals in there. Um, to, to, to get, to set yourself up for a good transition. I had to reset both these. Um, you were talking about building up, um, yeah, prior, to, prior to, you know, coming out and everything. So, um, well, that, w- which reminds me of my job. Like, I feel like I'm fortunate and blessed to have my job and, if YouTube really takes off and the podcast really takes off, um, I'll actually be in a great position because the job I have right now is I'm doing uh, medevac. I don't know what people call it. Lifefly, carefly, air yeah. ambulance, whatever people want to call it. But what's cool about it is is I'm on seven days and I'm off seven days. So it gives me a lot of opportunity to, on those off days to go film, to hunt, to edit podcasts. But the cool part is while I'm at work, um, I'm waiting for a phone call if someone gets in a car accident or shooting, stabbing, whatever, anything like that. I can, by the company's rules, I can take my time to do whatever I want while I'm waiting for that call as long as I'm ready to go. So I can, I I know people that have built up cars from the ground up, literally at the the site. Um, I personally do editing, editing the podcast, editing, uh, videos. I'll do this, this, uh, winter for duck season. I'll be editing my videos a lot there. So I'm getting paid for my job while I'm getting paid to edit my own stuff and I'm not taking time away from my family. So now when I am home, I don't have to sit in the office and edit for hours, you know? So you're talking about taking advantage of the time you have the military, there was a lot more things that the military did offer me that I'd never took for advantage of, you know, and I wish mm-hmm. now I would have, you know, so like you're yeah, saying, there's ben, programs. I don't think there's a, I don't think there's an organization out there. I mean, obviously I could be wrong. It's more committed to providing resources to the people that are leaving that organization mm-hmm. uh, right. than, than, than the military is. And for instance, um, I took advantage of what was called uh, the career skills program where um, my unit was, they were going on a training rotation to Korea and I was supposed to get out in May. And I talked to my boss. I said, Hey sir, like I can stick around till May and uh, you know, et cetera. But Hey, I'm getting out. And he said, well, why don't you just not go with us to Korea? And I was like, well, okay, what am I going to do for four months until it's time for me to get out of the army? And turns out there's this thing called the career skills program where you can go work, uh, do an internship or excuse me, like an internship or an externship. Um, and you still get your military pay, but you're working for the company that you're going to be working for. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Is that Which what is you do with this in, job you have now? Um, well, actually, I initially this, this job opportunity that I'm in right now didn't pop up until I was already in the program and you can't switch. So mm-hmm. it's only you you can't switch. You can only, you can only do it for one company. So I was working with a construction company as a uh, um, an assistant construction manager. Um, so that's what I did. But it allowed me to be in Lincoln to find a house to um, get my roots here and uh, be with my family away from the army uh, while I'm still working and connecting, and then working with this construction company. Uh, it's just, you know, right at the end of that is when this job opportunity came up. So, hmm. 
That's awesome. Yeah. So is this something you see yourself a retiring in doing, or what do you think? I don't see myself um, leaving this job unless it's forcible. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, because I don't know. What's better than that, right? Helping a mm. – okay, so I'll take that back. What is better than that? Helping an individual person – through their journey in hunting that is extremely fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Now, if I can be like, if I can be, if I can multiply that and be like a, a, you know, a force multiplier for that by helping state agencies do that and sell more hunting and fishing licenses, like that's where I need to be. Right. Right. So, right. Well, do you got any crazy stories of like your time in the military or things that happened that you can share with us on the show. Uh, I'm sure we, I mean, we've all got yeah, plenty. <laughs> we all we all do, right? Uh, some we can share, is, some we can't. <laughs> that is that's for damn sure, right there. Um, yeah, I don't. If I look back on on my time in the military, and if I were to like pick out a couple stories, it wouldn't do just all the stories, right? right. Um, and you know what it's like. There's, there's so many of them. I, I don't know. One of the coolest stories, I, I think I, I, one of my favorite stories is we got like air inserted into this observation. So I was a, a fire officer, like okay. a fire support officer. Mm-hmm. And for anybody listening that doesn't know what that is, it's uh, if, in, if, if you see in the movies, the guy that's like calling in airstrikes and artillery and things like that, uh, that was like one of my guys. Gotcha. Um, and so I did that at like the uh, the higher level where I kind of coordinated those guys. But we got we got air inserted into uh, this observation post. Um, so the, the the plan was we were doing a, an artillery raid, which an artillery raid is where they they deep insert an artillery asset um, like very close to the front line or beyond the front line, either through uh, air insertion or just you know moving your artillery guns, you know, up to a position mm-hmm. so you can, you can do it like strike, strike a deep target or something yeah. like that. And so for this instance, we were flying in a, um, a platoon of triple sevens. Um, and this is, a, this is a training exercise. It's not like in real, um, combat or anything, but, um, so they air inserted, uh, this triple seven howitzer platoon, uh, beyond, I guess, enemy lines, whereas like where we were also air inserted on this OP. And uh, I don't know, we just basically got to hang out in this like little village for three or four days, just keeping a really low profile, trying not to get spotted by the bad guys. Um, and just being out there with like the team for, for that long and then actually getting to do like air insertions where yeah. they, they drop us off, hike in, um, but while we were out there, our Devardi, our division artillery commander came out and visited with us and uh, was just hanging out. And, of course, he pulls everybody aside and is, like, asking them different questions about the organization. <laughs> and uh, at the time, I didn't have, like, a real great direct uh, first-line supervisor. And so I was, like, super nervous that the Devardi commander was, like, pulling my, like, privates over to, like, talk to them individually. Uh, and I'm like, oh, what are they going to say? 
Yeah. Oh, what are they going to say? Well, he leaves, you know, no later than like 45 minutes. Uh, I get like a call on the radio, like admin call, like, hey, we need you back in the talk now. And I was like, oh, crap. What did you guys say? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And uh, essentially, what ended up happening is, is I was like, now nah, we got this fire mission going off like here shortly. And uh, so I didn't go. And that, I guess, created a pretty big shitstorm back at the, the talk. Mm. Um, I, this is, I guess this is a really dumb story, but um, I ended up getting like in big trouble uh, for not going back because I thought it was dumb. And, uh, you know, the all the bad leaders in the organization like reamed me, but then like two of the good leaders came up and they were, you know, and these are like higher level yeah. uh, office, officers and, and, and CEOs like, Hey, did, did the right thing. And just kind of like knowing that you gained the respect of, um, it's not like I, I obeyed it. Uh, like disobeyed a, a direct order. Yeah. No, I, I didn't do that. They were, it was just like, guys, what are like, this is I a waste. This, this is stupid. Yeah, I had a that's what I'm saying. That's where your yeah. common sense of your raising and just how you were as a person bled over into, you know, common sense as an officer in the military instead of just, like you said, the dumb officers that no one respected were matchy. But who gives a care what those guys think? Because those are dime yeah, a dozen, so you I, know? I was like, I was like fired for like two hours and just like sitting there, like, oh, I guess I'm going to go be like a, you know, a supply officer now or something That's and funny. uh then the boss walks in you know the big boss and he's like get your butt back out on the op what are you doing back here and i was like roger that uh and then like we had a pretty interesting uh like air went black while we were getting exfilled and uh it was when we were up in the up in the bird when the air went black and the guy was like hey uh where's your talk and I was like, you can just put us down right here. We'll walk the rest of the way back. And it was like five kilometers still out. He was like, thank you. And set us down. And then he headed back to base. So, Oh, man. That was pretty cool. That was got cool. To do the buzz, got to do the buzz saw. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I felt we... like a real, real American hero out there <laughs> doing that. Tell you that. Oh, what's so funny when we were in Afghanistan, there was a, it was a really bad um, firefight going on. And it was at night. And so we always went into Blackhawks, and I was in mm-hmm. Chase, uh, I believe. You were a crew chief or were you a pilot? Crew chief, yeah. Crew chief. And we were on our way into, it was, I would guess it was kind of a semi-hot LZ. And knuckleheads, yeah, we got a we got a buzzsaw going, you know, so we see the buzzsaw going. There's only one. There's no, I mean, it's just, you're in the middle of the desert, right? And you're like, okay, there's the buzzsaw, easy. All, we all greet and confirm the pilots and the crew chief and medic. We're like, that's it. We go in there and land, and they're like, oh, it's not this one, it's the other one. And there was, and then finally, the guy where we're supposed to land started doing the buzz saw, and it was like, you guys literally were in Afghanistan. It's not really a time to make those kind of stupid mistakes, you know? So stupid, like, like something you would do in training with a like a E one or something that doesn't know what they're yeah. doing. Not when you're yeah. in country, you know kind of critical right now and there's dudes bleeding out you know yeah just you reminded me of that when you started talking about a buzzsaw let's talk about (laughs) how stupid that was you can see those things really good under goggles though yeah yeah it's kind of cool i always like laugh when like my dad's like he got like some night vision or whatever Mm -hmm. um 
he was like, oh, this is so cool. And I was like, uh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm the same way. Everyone at work, because we have, I think most all medevac air ambulance places have to have MVGs yeah, now, I think. Sure. But but when I did it before I left for deployment, um, we didn't have them. And uh, I, I see a PVS 14 or like night vision or anything like that. And I just think of all of the freaking times that I had to stay late while we were looking for somebody's lost oh night vision. Goodness. Well, like, Good God. I've got so many thousands of hours flying at night without goggles, right? On the civilian sure. side. So to be honest with you, I almost don't like them. Like, it's like, ugh, I, I just, there's certain times like flying in the foothills or flying over mountains, over passes where like, okay, these are really handy. But like when <laughs> yeah. we're flying here in the Central Valley of California, I mean, it's all lit up like a Christmas tree. You know what I mean? You sure. don't really need it. But yeah, I'm just like the other night I was sitting on the top of the helipad at the airport or the uh, hospital waiting for the crew to come back up. And I was uh, looking through them and seeing that comet, man. A uh, really good long tail on that thing. You could you couldn't see it with the naked eye, only with the goggles. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. You see some neat things, but yeah, yeah. Like you said, yeah. uh, everybody at work's oh. like, "Oh, these are so awesome." I'm like, eh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just I almost get like heartburn when I see them because it's like, yeah, because you, you you're a different position. You, know, you were yeah, responsible. You know, <laughs> you know how many people like have just sat around like looking through wall lockers and like dumping their bag out multiple times because yep. one freaking dude, either, either private first class or a second lieutenant. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Not to name any names like, or anything. <laughs> didn't like, Oh no. Yeah. What, what last I do time I saw, last time I saw my night vision goggles was three nights ago. And, uh, it's like, what, what? I wonder what kind of, what would they do to you? If in the military, if you did end up losing them permanently, what is that uh, loss of rank and pay or? Uh, Depends. I mean, yeah, sure. I've seen instances where it's like, okay, kid lost his 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 nods, and um, everybody looks for him, looks for him. Usually, you end up finding them, but there's like you know, there's always that one instance where nope, you can't find them, and so everybody gets held until like two or three in the morning or. 6 a.m. the next day or, or whatever it is, and you know, they give up and they say, all right, then there becomes an investigation. And then from the inv- investigation comes, you know, like a wash or flip or whatever. And, uh, yeah. A lot of paperwork for you. All I right. never, fortunately, I never like, we didn't have any big losses that were in my like line of custody, which was nice. So. Yeah. Well, man, I, I kept you a little bit longer. Just looked at the time. I kept you a little longer than I asked, but I, I'm glad we got to hook up and we got, you had a couple more ideas for podcasts where guys, we're going to have Ben back on the show again and do a little bit more waterfowl related content. But, uh, we wanted to, he had this idea. I thought it was a great idea transitioning. Cause I know there's probably a lot of people, there's always someone transitioning. Oh, and we didn't even like, we didn't even talk about that, man. There's, I like, know we just kind of bounced around. Yeah, you. If you're like sitting there at the end of your, okay, I'm about a year out or six months out or whatever, that is the time. Like you need to be shaping like what you're doing. Yeah, totally. So, and and like you said, even before then, just what am I gonna do with this? Because I think people sometimes go in the military, pick a a career or MOS in the military. Well, Army is MOS. I don't whatever all the other ones, and they don't really think about how they're gonna use that afterwards, unless they plan on staying in for twenty plus years. You know, but yeah. 
that kind of helps you out too. Before, if you're thinking about getting in the military, you definitely want to take a close look at um, what could benefit you later on down the road once you get out. So, anyways, guys, check Ben out, Ben Page, and all those guys over there on the Foul Front podcast. They're on every platform, I believe, right, Ben? Sure. Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, <laughs> all yeah, that good whatever, stuff. Wherever you can listen to a podcast, I hope it's on there. Not, let me know. And <laughs> Do you got a Facebook page or anything too? We've got a. We've got a waterfowl. We got a foul front waterfowl podcast group. Um, like where you can, I'm not, I'm hardly ever in there, but yeah. But then yeah. you guys can check that out if you want to dive into some more of that stuff. And so, all right, guys. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks, Ben, for coming on, and we'll see you guys on the next one. 